What's your name? Zama. And how old are you? Three. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he died. Because he died on the cross. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus, and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to Earth, but God's rescue plan from before He even created the world, and the hope of living with Him forever, so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else, and why He wants you to join Him. Miss Alicia, did you play games on the underwear tower when you were a kid? You mean like a tablet with a touch screen? They didn't have those when I was a kid. But my brother played video games, and I wrote stories and drew pictures on my family's computer sometimes. Why do you ask? Well, my mom said that I shouldn't have too much screen time, and sometimes I choose between playing a game and watching a show. I understand why she just won't let me do both. It's not like my eyes are gonna turn into tablet screens. <laughs> I hear you, Finn. There are lots of things I like to do using screens. From writing emails to watching shows or YouTube videos, and even letting my kids see their grandma and grandpa in North Dakota while they talk to them. When I was a kid, sometimes I just didn't understand why my parents limited certain things when it didn't seem like a big deal, and sometimes they didn't even give me all the reasons why they didn't want me to do something. You're telling me. Parents don't always get it right all the time, but when they're following Jesus, they try to make their decisions based on what God says is wise, and God never makes a bad decision. He sent prophets to the people in the Old Testament to be kind of like parents to the people, telling them what was right and wrong. The kings were supposed to be like that too, but most of them did a pretty terrible job. Today we're going to talk about King Ahab again, but first we're going to see what God told the prophet Elijah after meeting him in that cave on Mount Sinai. All right, after God spoke to Elijah in a whisper. Yep, the Lord said to Elijah, "Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael as king over Aram." Also anoint Jehu as king over Israel, and anoint Elisha as the next prophet after you. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes Hazael's sword, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes Jehu's sword. But I will keep seven thousand people in Israel for myself. They have not bowed down to Baal, and they have not kissed him. So Elijah doesn't want to die anymore, and is back in business. Well, the Bible doesn't say that he did all the things God told him to do right away. But when he left Mount Horeb, he did go and find Elisha. Elisha was plowing in a field with twelve pairs of oxen. Elijah went up to him and threw his coat around him. 
Right away, Elisha left his oxen. He ran after Elijah, saying, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. Then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He got his two oxen and killed them and burned the plow to cook the meat. He gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he started to follow Elijah and became Elijah's servant. Wow, he must have really wanted to follow Elijah. If he killed the oxen and burned the plow he was farming with. And Elijah thought he was the only faithful person left. Elijah's other job was to anoint Hazael as king of Aram. But this next story is about the current king of Aram named Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad brought his whole army together and went up to Samaria. So he was coming to fight King Ahab in Samaria? Yep. He took 32 kings and their horses and chariots with him. Oh no, Ahab doesn't stand a chance. All of them surrounded Samaria and attacked it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to speak to Ahab, the king of Israel. They told him, Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and gold belong to me. The best of your wives and children also belong to me. The king of Israel replied, What you say is true. You are my king and master. I belong to you, and everything I have belongs to you. So Ahab was just giving up? Well, the messengers came again. They told Ahab, Ben-Hadad says, I commanded you to give me your silver and gold. I also commanded you to give me your wives and children. But tomorrow, I'm going to send my officials to you. They'll search your palace and take everything you value, and they'll carry it all away. The king of Israel sent for all the elders of the land. He said to them, This man is really looking for trouble. He sent for my wives and children. He sent for my silver and gold, and I agreed to give them to him. All the elders and people answered, Don't listen to him. Don't agree to give him what he wants. So Ahab replied to Ben-Hadad's messengers. He said, Tell my king and master, I can't do what you want me to do. They took Ahab's answer back to Ben-Hadad. Then Ben-Hadad sent another message to Ahab. Ben-Hadad said, There won't be enough dust left in Samaria to give each of my followers even a handful. If there is, may the gods punish me greatly. The king of Israel replied, Tell him someone who puts his armor on shouldn't brag like someone who takes it off. So Ahab is really going to fight that huge army? Ben-Hadad and the kings were in their tents drinking. When he heard Ahab's message, he ordered his men, Get ready to attack. So they prepared to attack the city. During that time, a prophet came to Ahab, the king of Israel. He announced, The Lord says, Do you see this huge army? I will hand it over to you today. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Wow, first God sends fire to Elijah's sacrifice to Ahab that he is the true God. Now he's going to feed Ben-Hadad's army. So Ahab will know that he is the Lord. 
I was amazed by God's mercy in this too, Finn. Ahab's response is, But who will do it? The prophet answered, The Lord says the junior officers who are under the area commanders will do it. And who will start the battle? Ahab asked. The prophet answered, You will. At least he wants to follow the Lord's directions clearly. He seems to be doing that so far. Ahab sent for the 232 junior officers who were under the area commanders. Then Ahab gathered together the rest of the Israelite army, 7,000 men. They started out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were in their tents getting drunk. They wouldn't be doing that if they knew that God was coming to defeat them. The junior officers who were under Ahab's area commanders marched out first. Ben-Hadad's scouts reported, Men are marching against us from Samaria. Ben-Hadad said, Whether they're coming to make peace or make war, take them alive. But Ahab's junior officers marched out of the city with the army right behind them. Each man struck down the one fighting against him. When that happened... The army of Aram ran away. Yippee! The Israelites chased them, but Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, escaped on a horse. Some of his horsemen escaped with him. The king of Israel attacked them and overpowered the horses and chariots. Large numbers of the men of Aram were wounded or killed. After that, the prophet came to the king of Israel again. The prophet said, Make your position stronger. Do what needs to be done. Next spring, the king of Aram will attack you again. Meanwhile, the officials of the king of Aram told him, The gods of Israel are gods of the hills. That's why they were too strong for us. But suppose we fight them on the plains. Then we'll certainly be stronger than they are. They are so wrong. So they really think their chariots are stronger than God? Just because they're on flag ground now? They certainly don't seem to believe that the God of Israel rules over everything. The officials of Aram told the king, Here's what you should do. Choose new military leaders and put another army together. It should be just like the one you lost, with the same number of horses and chariots. Then we'll be able to fight against Israel on the plains, and we'll certainly be stronger than they are. Ben-Hadad agreed with their advice. He did what they suggested. The next spring, Ben-Hadad brought together the men of Aram. They went up to the city of Aphek to fight against Israel. The Israelites also marched out to fight against their enemies. Israel's army camped across from Aram's army. The Israelites looked like two small flocks of goats that had become separated from the others, but the men of Aram covered the countryside. The man of God came up to King Ahab again. He told him, The Lord says, The men of Aram think the Lord is a god of the hills. They do not think he is a god of the valleys. Boy, are they wrong. So I, the Lord, will hand their huge army over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. King Ahab better not forget this. 
For seven days, the two armies camped across from each other. On the seventh day, the battle began. The Israelites wounded or killed a hundred thousand Aramean soldiers who were on foot. That happened in a single day. The rest of the men of Aram escaped to the city of Aphek. Its wall fell down on 27,000 of them. Ben-Hadad ran to the city and hid in a secret room. His officials said to him, Look, we've heard that the kings of Israel often show mercy, so let's go to the king of Israel. Let's wear the rough clothing people wear when they're sad. Let's tie ropes around our heads. Perhaps Ahab will spare your life. But Ahab is going to ask God what to do, right? Well, that's the sad part of the story. He didn't ask God. After all, God had done for him? Yeah. Ben-Hadad promised, I'll return the cities my father took from your father. Ahab said, If we sign a peace treaty, I'll set you free. So Ben-Hadad made a treaty with him. Then Ahab let him go. Now there was a group of people called the Group of the Prophets. A message from the Lord came to one of their members. So the prophet found a man and said, Please, strike me down. That's a weird thing for God to want the prophet to do. Remember, God had prophets do some odd things to get his point across. So the man struck him down and wounded him. Then the prophet went and stood by the road. He waited for the king to come by. He pulled his headband down over his eyes so no one would recognize him. When King Ahab passed by, the prophet called out to him, saying, I went into the middle of the battle. Someone came to me with a prisoner. He said, Guard this man. Don't let him get away. If he does, you will pay for his life with yours. Or you can pay 75 pounds of silver. While I was busy here and there, the man disappeared. But that didn't really happen, right? He's just doing a story. Right, but the king doesn't know that. The king of Israel spoke to him told and told him that since he let the man get away, he'd have to pay the penalty. Then the prophet quickly removed the headband from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. The prophet told the king, The Lord says, You have set a man free. He's talking about Ben-Hadad, right? Right. But God had said he should be set apart to the Lord in a special way to be destroyed. So you must pay for his life with yours. You must pay for his people's lives with the lives of your people. Hey, that's kind of like... God sent the prophet to tell a story to King David after he had sinned with Bathsheba. But the difference was that David told the Lord he had sinned, and King Ahab was just angry at what the prophet said. He was in a bad mood as he went back to his palace in Samaria. I guess it, since it didn't make sense to Ahab to destroy Ben-Hadab, they kept him alive, even though God had told him not to. God had showed his wisdom and power over and over to Ahab. But at the end, 
Ahab decided he could choose which of God's commands he wanted to follow and which ones he wanted to ignore, and so would face the consequences. But it's even better for us, because God shows us his wisdom and power and love every day, and sent Jesus into a world full of people with rebellious hearts, so that we could receive his forgiveness and receive new hearts full of his grace to choose to do right. And he gives us daily chances to be honest with him about the times we choose wrong and then receive forgiveness from him. Not only so that we could see how great he is, but also so that we could be invited into the friendship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and I guess my parents want to help me to choose good too. So they set rules that I might not understand, like only getting to watch two shows or play certain games on my tablet. I'm glad God is helping you to trust your parents because it helps you to trust that God is your loving parent too. And he never gets it wrong. You got it, Finn. Miss Lacey, can I bring my water tablet next time and show my favorite game? If your parents don't mind, I'd love to see it. Okay, then doodaloo, kangaroo. Bye, Finn. And parents, don't forget you can find the podcast on Spotify now. Thanks. And here are a couple bloopers. Okay, then doodaloo, jumping kangaroo. Is that that good? Nice try. (laughs) Yeah, they used to kiss the idols. Yeah.